Welcome to Figures in the Dark, the podcast where we tell stories of all things murderous, paranormal, and terrifying that go on in the dark. My name is Tori. My name is Tay. Hello. Hi. I feel like we haven't like quite gotten how to get past the intro into the yes. like intro. You know what I mean? Yes, that like weird in between part. But mm-hmm. we're getting there. We get better. Yeah. We get better each week, and we yes. thank you very much for everybody who still listens to yes. us and like listens to all our nonsense because. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, the last episode we just recorded Mm. before this one comes out. Lots of tangents. Yes. So, uh, much appreciate and many thanks to anybody who listened to all of the many tangents. Mm -hmm. But also, like, forgive us. We're a Gemini and a Leo. Like, there's going to be some tangents Mm -hmm. and, like, some things that trail off. And, you know, the world is burning, so. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The world's going to be... It's it's the end times, people. Just kidding. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. Oh, my God. Like... I can't remember. Oh, it was when we were, I think we went to Shadfest. There was that person who was just, like, screaming down the street. Yeah. Like, screaming. I couldn't understand the first part of what they said. But something about, you're all about the devil. Yeah. And, like, screaming. That was pretty great. I swear to God, didn't this woman say something about, like, licking Satan's butthole? Probably. I swear I heard that, and then I was just literally laughing as they're screaming yeah. down the streets. Which like, is the end is near. Which is You're funny. All about the devil. <laughs> which is funny because I like the the town that we were in, the where Shadfest is, is where I grew up, and so that's not a town where that happens a lot. Like I've never no. seen that happen. It's just whenever the there are big crowds, there are going to be yep. fucking weirdos, and yes. there was a weirdo. Oh, so yeah. literally, everyone just collectively looked around and was like, "Who was? Who that? the fuck is this?" Literally, like, that's exactly how it is. Everyone like you could see the people who were locals, and we're just sitting there looking around like, "Who mm-hmm. is that? This is not part of our community." Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Exactly. And, like yeah. literally, especially like because we were on the New Hope side, uh-huh. and they're like. This is where gay people are. Yeah. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why you're yelling, ma'am. Yeah, it's, yeah, it wasn't, it, that was an interesting day. I always <clears throat> just love the strange things mm-hmm. that you end up encountering. Oh, I love every it. Every so often. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like, agree. I just, I don't know. There's something that's just so hysterical to me about, like, sometimes hearing the weirdest things anybody could ever say to you. And, like, although, like, by no means do I think mental illness is funny. No. But, like, sometimes some delusional thoughts oh, yeah. are a little, like, it just hits your brain in a way that, mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, imagine if that was real. Like, I once mm-hmm. had a woman tell me that her abuser was watching her and spying on her through the squirrels that were outside. And I was like, okay, because the squirrels can do that. Yeah. Like, I was like that's hello? <laughs> I was like, all right, ma'am. I had someone say that the VCR was watching them, like. All That's kinds fun. of stuff. And I'm like, all right. Like, some of it I could understand. Like, maybe, like, when someone's, you say that offhandedly. Mm. But, like, what if someone did install a camera yeah. or something like that? Like, how they, like. In motel rooms or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, that part got me. But, like, the squirrels won. And I was like, no, I don't think the squirrels mm. are doing that. Yeah. But then it's the same as, like, the birds work for the bourgeoisie. Stop. Okay, wait. I thought that shit was the fucking funniest thing ever. Like that's my favorite. Oh my god! Oh, that's one of the conspiracy theories. We definitely have birds to talk work about. for the bourgeoisie. Yes, I mean yeah, it's true, mm-hmm. very true. Birds aren't real. Yeah, but today I'm going to tell you the story of the murder case of Sherry Rasmussen. So, um, forewarning before we like get into it, as always, we're gonna talk about murder or and like terrible things, but for the most part, um, this is more going to be a lot of like kind of forewarning about violence and mm-hmm. um, more just, like, crime DNA kind of things and, like, just, like, 
there luckily there's no sexual violence that's Doom. mentioned there's no domestic violence that's mentioned it's just like physical violence so just like very crime. It, so like when it comes to the murder or is there violence yes. pre- like pre- before the murder no during the murder okay yeah so, so it's just like a, a graphic murder Yes. Trigger warning, content warning, graphic yes. murder. <laughs> so, as always, our podcast is not for children. Um, it is very much that this podcast is adult content. Um, but I'll just kind of take us off. Mm-hmm. But, so, on the morning of February 24th, 1986, John Rutten woke up for work and began to get ready in his Van Nuys, California home. For one of the very first times in his relationship with his wife, Sherry Rasmussen, he got up before her. She was still in bed and was telling him that she was debating calling out of work because she was supposed to be supervising a human resources class at the hospital she worked at. Sherry did not want to supervise the class, but as she honestly didn't really believe in the class's effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So John tried to encourage her to go and just let her know that ultimately it was up to her. It was kind of one of those like, you know, those moments that everyone has with their partner of like, eh, you should probably just go, but like, it's really up to you. So it was kind of one of those discussions that morning. But John got himself ready and left for work by 7.20 a.m. and went to drop off some laundry to the dry cleaners and arrived to work before 8. So later in the day, John called home to see if Sherry did end up staying home for the day but received no answer. The answering machine was still off, but no one was picking up the phone. So John assumed that Sherry must have decided to go to work and had forgotten to turn on the answering machine again, Mm -hmm. which did happen in their home and he did say that like sometimes sherry did forget stuff like that like she was always so busy and she was like very much like on top of everything else Mm -hmm. all the time and like i i think i forgot to put in here like birth times and things like that so they were actually kind of young they were like in their like Mm -hmm. mid-20s okay so yeah so they were they were a busy Mm -hmm. like newlywed Mm -hmm. couple that was just like getting their stuff done for a second i was like wait, turn on the answering machine? Yep. I, like, had a split second yes. where I was like, wait, you don't turn those on. You just set up your voicemail box. And yep. I was like, wait, this is the 80s yes. to the 80s. 1986. So, Love yeah. So, me. she just forgot to press the button mm-hmm. is all he assumed because, like, that does happen. Yeah. So then, after this, John called her secretary and asked if she was in the office. Her secretary said that she had not seen Sherry today and did not know if she was reachable. John, again, wasn't really worried about this because it was common for whenever Sherry would teach a class that she would just go right to the classroom and not stop at her Mm -hmm. office at all. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of assumed that she must have decided to go to work and, like, was running late, so she didn't even bother Mm -hmm. going to the office, saying hi to her secretary, and just went straight to the classroom. As John finished up his work for the day, he set off to run a few errands before heading home. So he picked up his dry cleaning and made his way back to the house. So when he pulled into the driveway, he found that the garage door was drawn up and Sherry's BMW was gone from her spot. Okay. As he stepped into the garage, he found glass on the ground and the garage door that led into the rest of the house was ajar. So none of these things are normal occurrences in in the house and began to kind of worry him. So as he walked cautiously into the house, he entered through the living room and found Sherry's body laying on her back on the rug. Oh, Jesus. Her face was beaten swollen and bloody she was barefoot and she was still in her bathrobe Mm. her bathrobe had been thrown open her arms were raised and bent at an angle that looked as if she was trying to get up Mm. uh there was and there was a bullet hole straight through her chest oh jesus so john immediately called the police and when they arrived they were they found quite an unusual scene so the stereo speaker with all of its wires had been ripped out and were laying by her head a vase had been broken The phone receiver was knocked over, 
a blood smear was on the wall near the front door and most oddly their their vcr and cd players were stacked on top of each other on the floor in a pile ready to take mm -hmm. and the sliding glass back door to the balcony was shattered although there was no signs of forced entry interesting so they also found a pink throw blanket in the living room that had a bullet hole through it and gun park powder marks on it so maybe the person like folded up put it on her to like silence yes. it because that that you yep. don't found you don't really find gunpowder mm -hmm. on it unless you the nozzle is no. really close mm -hmm. okay makes sense absolutely so when detectives arrived at the scene and began interviewing john they found him completely grief-stricken and could not provide any reason why anyone would want to hurt sherry so sherry was brilliant beautiful confident and extremely dedicated to her work sherry had gone to loma linda university at age 16 and graduated in, with a degree in nursing mm -hmm. so 16 years old she went to college that's wow. how brilliant she was she graduated Jeez. in nursing and then she had lectured internally about critical care nursing and was the director of nursing at the hospital oh she wow worked at. so this woman was in her mid-20s was the director of nursing at the hospital that she worked at and was married to an engineer so this was a very like smart intelligent couple. yes this was a very like well-to-do like really well-off couple in the sense of like these were really hardworking, very like smart educated dedicated to their career type people mm -hmm. so john and sherry met in 1984 and quickly fell for each other they were both smart career driven athletic and were avid runners mm -hmm. so although sherry's father wasn't thrilled about their relationship it was just kind of one of those situations where her dad didn't fully approve um and didn't really like john but they did progress with their relationship and quickly married and they literally married just a few months before her death so they married in november of 1985 she was murdered in february of 1986. wow so literally they had only been like married a couple of months wow yeah so like john had said he had no idea and no reason that he could understand as to why anyone would hurt her mm -hmm. so as the police continued to investigate the scene and sherry herself they found some very odd things regarding this case they found that sherry had three bullet wounds mm -hmm. uh, bullet rounds lodged into her the first <coughs> shot was fired from a 38 caliber gun pointed at her but the other two were with the blanket held to her chest mm -hmm. and the gun directly over mm -hmm. and shot through mm -hmm. so probably using it yeah. to muffle sound mm -hmm. so even the looks of her face they believed there had been a fight and they believed that potentially she had been fighting with this person for mm -hmm. an hour to an hour and a half wow like physically yeah. fighting physically fighting jesus this person or persons mm -hmm. so they thought that perhaps the person that had hit sherry in the face had perhaps hit sherry in the face with the vase that was broken okay um so when further inspecting the body they also found a, a bite mark on sherry's left arm oh fuck no so the only thing that made even less sense about the entire scene was although the vcr and cd player were stacked ready to be taken they hadn't been and the only things in the home that were missing were sherry's bmw and sherry and john's marriage license that's weird yes so so none of the like the most nope. expensive thing that bmw is taken but yes. then the marriage license yes their marriage also. license and the car are the only things that are actually missing that they that's can find weird and like all the other documents and stuff are still nope. there all their other documents are there the cd player and vcr is stacked up ready to be taken but the person didn't take them interesting her body looked as though there were signs of a struggle and that she had been fighting this person for like i said an hour to an hour and a half wow, which so is a, a long, long ass fight. time there was no signs of forced entry but there was shattered glass back doors their back yeah their back sliding glass doors were completely shattered mm -hmm. and their 
were blood smears on the front door and near their alarm panel. Mm -hmm. So, and the phone was off the hook, like, all of these things. Like, it just, it points more towards what we're going to later discuss, but it doesn't seem like a cut and dry robbery. Mm -hmm. Like, this just, it doesn't sound like it, Mm -hmm. but... So most officers at the scene were really weren't sure what to think of this, and nothing fully added up. But the only thing that Detective Mayers felt sure of was that he thought that John's grief was genuine and didn't think he was involved with this. Mm-hmm. So while they're there at the scene, he attempted to comfort John by telling him that he thought that this must have been a robbery gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So before they've even done any investigating before they've even actually checked his alibi, any of that. Mm-hmm. He's literally telling John, oh, I know you didn't do this. I think this was a robbery gone wrong. Okay. So very much not protocol. Mm-hmm. So the detectives let John go home with his family, and several hours after they had left, let him go, John's father called Sherry's parents to inform them of what happened. Okay. So Sherry's father, Nels, was, re- was furious that John refused to get on the phone and refused to tell them what had happened yeah. himself. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, so John's father claimed that he was too upset to speak to him about what had happened, but Nels felt that it was because he was too afraid of being blamed for causing her death and that he didn't mm. want to deal with the consequences of Nels' grief. I mean, like... Oh, I mean, yeah. usually I don't know. I don't know because I can't like I can't say like if my if my if my fiance died, I don't know if I'd be able to call his mom and tell her myself. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those like you can't judge someone else's grief. However, I also don't blame her dad for being upset. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that like this is your son-in-law and he refuses. This is these are the only people on earth that can understand the Mm. weight of your grief in some ways. Like I get you guys weren't on good terms or like you didn't really like each other, but you loved her. You were married to her. The only other people on this earth that is going to be Mm. as upset about her death as you are, are her parents. Yeah, true. Yeah. And you're not even like attempting to try to comfort each other in that way, but I digress. Mm -hmm. So Although Detective Mayor's partner, Detective Hooks, had floated a theory that perhaps the robbery didn't fully line up with uh, with the motive of a robbery gone wrong, mm-hmm. um, given the injuries on Sherry, may- he proposed that maybe perhaps this had been co- that it hadn't been committed by strangers looking to ransack the house, but maybe someone who knew her. Mm-hmm. From the looks of the scene, it didn't look like a robbery scene. It looks like an assassination. Okay. So Detective Hooks even floated the theory that maybe given the bite on her arm and the fight itself for that long a period of time, that maybe it had been close, something closer to a fair fight. Mm. And he thought that maybe the killer was a woman. Okay. So Detective Mares, however, completely disagreed and basically like lapped him out of the water and mm-hmm. refused to even deal with that theory. So one week after the murder, police found Sherry's BMW parked on a side street in Van Nuys. Uh, the car was unlocked with the keys left in the ignition. They dusted the car for fingerprints, and prints were found, but they didn't find any matches when they okay. ran them through the system. So during this time, there were two Latin men breaking into houses around the Van Ness area, and during one of these break-ins, they had assaulted a woman. So Detective Mayers was convinced that this was what must have happened and how Sherry must have been murdered. Mm-hmm. And he basically refused to look into anything else. I hate I hate that. Just because it's yeah. been going on does not mean that what's, what was what yes. was going on with everybody else is going on with this one. I hate exactly. that. And like... It's shoddy police work. It's absolutely shitty police work. You're just, you're wanting to, like, close up the case without doing any actual work. And, like, you're not even willing to listen to your own partner, who mm-hmm. your own partner is like, 
uh, this doesn't really seem like a robbery here. Mm. Literally, like, all of this scene looks super weird. It does look like someone literally came there to kill her. And also, the only things that are gone is the BMW and the marriage license. Yeah. And we just found the BMW. Yeah. So money clearly isn't. Yeah, because they would have sold that for. and that was it. Exactly. They wouldn't just leave it with the keys in the ignition waiting mm-hmm. or wanting yeah. for someone else to take it. Sherry's father, however, did not buy this. And Nels, when finally interviewed by police, refused to accept the theories that Mayor was telling him about a random break-in. Instead, he immediately asked if they had interviewed John's ex-girlfriend, the cop lady. Okay. Yep. That was ex- his exact words. He was like, have you looked into the cop lady? Okay. He told them that Sherry had confided in him that one of John's ex-girlfriends was a cop who had come to their house just weeks before their wedding. She came and brought a pair of skis that she stated she wanted John to wax. So Nels claimed that Sherry and John fought about this as she was concerned that there was something going on between the two of them. But John claimed that they were just friends and that they had never even, like, dated in a serious way. That... Because Sherry was saying this was an ex-girlfriend. John was basically saying, like, we didn't actually even date, but... It was mm-hmm. one of those situations. So Sherry told him that she want that when this woman came back to pick up the skis, that he wanted John or she wanted John to tell her to leave and to leave them alone. But John disagreed and wanted to placate to this woman and said that she would just eventually go away. Mm-hmm. But Sherry wanted him to be very clear with her that she did not want this to continue. Yeah. So Sherry had communicated very much that she does not want this woman and him to be friends. She does not want this woman mm-hmm. showing up at their house with skis to wax or this any other sketchy weird and that's shit. fucking weird. I get it. That's weird. Like, I get people who can stay friends with their exes, but if you guys aren't, like, genuinely, like, besties, your new partner yeah. is soon to be, like, the person you're about to be marrying says, I'm uncomfortable with this situation, yeah. and you're just like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just ignore mm-hmm. them. But they're showing up to your house uninvited yeah. and being fucking weird. Yeah, that's no. No, I'm not good. about Thanks. it. Thanks, I'm good. So, Nels claimed that Sherry had told him that this woman had come back to the house again one day on when she was in uniform, when John was away, and it had really upset her. Yeah, definitely. It would upset me, too. Yeah, if this strange person came to my house, they came to pick up the skis, and I was like, and Sherry told the woman to leave. John refused mm-hmm. to tell this woman to leave. Sherry did when she came to pick up the mm-hmm. skis. But then this woman comes back in her police uniform when she knows your husband isn't there. That's sketchy. That's, that's intimidating. Weird. Yeah, that's intimidation. extremely intimidating and very strange. So she wanted John, again, to tell this woman to leave them alone. But John, again, wanted to just ignore the woman until she went away. Mm-hmm. So Sherry said that this, so this part, Sherry made very clear that she did not tell John, but only told her dad that this had happened. Mm-hmm. Sherry said that this woman came to her office at the hospital burst into in past her secretary wearing nothing but short shorts and a tube top and she claimed that they had had an argument at her office that left her very shaken up okay yes so this is what nels is saying that his daughter came to him and told just him and said that she did not tell her husband mm-hmm. and so the argument was between yes. the cop lady who was yes. now dressed all, all like you know yep, all slinky and yeah like, okay and yes. so she went to share and was like me and yes. john have the argument no argued with Sherry at Sherry's place of work, burst into Sherry's office, past Sherry's secretary, at the place she knew she worked, for some, somehow she figured out where Sherry'd worked, came to Sherry's office, ran past Sherry's secretary, who was like, you Mm. can't go in there, walked into Sherry's office, and had a verbal altercation with her at her place of work. Gotcha. I thought, I thought, okay, I I got it. Yes. So obviously this is a situation that, because John was not there, why would he know about it? Mm -hmm. But... 
Yeah. I digress, but Sherry told her dad, and mm-hmm. her dad had said that Sherry did not share this information with her husband because it yeah. left her shooken up, and she was really upset about it. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, because if she had told him before, like, yeah. hey, like, this person, person's really bothering me, yeah. she's probably thinking about how to tell him, granted, like, I don't know Sherry, yeah. like, per- obviously, personally, yeah. but, like, she's probably thinking, how do I tell him without say, be- seeming yes. like... I'm, I'm crazy. I'm crazy being like, I want this woman away from me. Cause yep. like in his, cause she may, she may be like, Oh, well he's not gonna believe me. Yeah. As well as like, he's literally outright just saying like, just ignore her, just ignore her. We're just mm-hmm. friends. There's nothing going on there. Any of these things when she's mm-hmm. literally saying, I'm not comfortable with this situation mm-hmm. and you're not, we're not on the same page. We're about to get married. And I'm telling you, I'm not comfortable with this person showing up at our house and being weird to me. And you're just like, this is fine. Yeah. It's not fine. No, not fine at all. So Detective Mares brushed off Nelsa's claims and telling him that he watches too many cop shows is literally what he told oh this grief stricken father. Like, and and it, you're not even going to try to explore no. that? Like, nope. what? Didn't ask who this person was. Didn't actually <coughs> do any checking in it. Basically told him, you watch too many cop shows. That's all made up. Whatever. Bye. So then when the police department did ask John to verify any of these stories that Nelsa told... He had said that he did not believe that, especially the story about um, this woman showing up to the hospital, were possible because he said if these interactions had happened, Sherry would have told him about it. Which isn't always true. that's That's not always the case. So he said that when Sherry told him about this woman showing up to the house, it wasn't fear that she conveyed, but that he was suspicious that something was happening between them, uh, between him and this woman. Okay. So it's like, even if she's yelling at you and accusing you and saying that I think you might be having an affair, doesn't mean she wasn't fearful in that moment. Oh, yeah, exactly. But whatever. So when they asked John who Nels was identifying as a possible suspect, John confirmed that he was referring to Stephanie Lazarus, his ex and current LAPD officer. Oh, Jesus. Yes. So when Nels asked if the police department had tracked down Lazarus, interviewing her about Sherry, inspected her for injuries, or confirmed her alibi for the time of the murder, they quite honestly did literally none of those things. Like, Nels literally gave you the entire rundown of what you should do mm-hmm. as, a, as a detective. They did none of that. They literally ignored what him. The they did fuck? none of that. So they did not reach out to Lazarus at all during the initial investigation, and the Van Nuys Police Department did not did finally call her. However, they called Stephanie on November nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven. So a full, nearly a full year after this had already Jesus. happened. Jesus. So yep, and then they said they ju- they called her, had this phone call, and then they crossed her off the list as a suspect. Um, like you. A phone call should not yep. take someone off of the no. list unless it's, A, you're calling them, their number is disconnected, and you yep. call their family and find out that they're dead. Yep. If they're in a literal another fucking country, like if yep. this happened in PA or and you're in Russia. Or you made a phone call and you confirmed that they were in prison during the time Exactly. Or yep. in the hospital or whatever. Like, yeah. it's, there's a, like, you, you don't just call and, sh- and just have a, hey, how you doing? And that's it. And then oh, you're yeah. done. Hey, how are you? We're both on the job. LOL. <laughs> this guy's so dumb, right? Her dad's such a paranoid weirdo. You didn't do that, right? LOL. Okay, yeah, you didn't commit a murder. You're a police officer. Like, as if police officers can't commit murders. As if we haven't seen that ever, ever, ever Ever. Happen. And it ever. never happens. Ever. They're perfect. Oh, so, unfortunately, that is where this case went cold. So, in the 90s, Nels had contacted the Van Nuys Police Department and asked if they had, um, if they had the DNA from the bite left that on Sher- that was left on Sherry mm-hmm. had be- ever been tested. They said it had not, as the tests were quite expensive, and seeing as they had no one to compare the DNA to, they were not able to test it. Mm-hmm. So, Nels offered to pay for these tests himself, but the police department declined. 
Mm-hmm. So in October of 1993, Nels requested the samples be released to him to have the test performed privately mm-hmm. through um, a lab that he had found. Mm-hmm. But they said they couldn't as another police detective or another detective had signed out all of the DNA evidence and it had not been returned. Oh, that's fucking sketchy. Uh-uh-uh. Super sketchy. Because <gasps> she's a police officer. We'll get to that. Oh, no. So, oh, no. years after the murder, John himself had even called the police department and asked if they had thought Stephanie had anything to do with this. The department had told him that she had been cleared of the murder in their eyes, and with this information, John reunited with Stephanie, and they had gone on a scuba trip to Hawaii. Okay, that makes me a little sus of John. A little bit, but, like, that's fucking weird that, like, after all these years, you have even the slightest inclination. So be- you reunite. You're like, oh, I kind of think we should go out again. Maybe we can go on the scuba trip. We'll go to Hawaii together. Yeah. Well, hold on real quick. I just got to call the police department real quick and just, like, genuinely guarantee that you didn't murder my wife. And so, how, And how? wait, how many years was this after she was murdered? Nearly, like, ten years. Okay, ten yeah, years. Yeah, okay. so it had been a long period of time. But, but still. still. I don't think I could I, ever, like, date no. or marry my ex-partner who murdered yes. who possibly murdered even possibly yes. murdered if my if i have to partner. call the police to ask if this person once murdered someone i was married to i don't think i'd be hanging with them no i don't think so either i really don't think so nope but as the case continued to have no movement it was finally passed over to the cold case unit so the crime began to be reinvestigated in 2001 okay so it was beginning to be reinvestigated by cold case detective detective jen francis so Detective Francis had found that the evidence was signed out in 1993, but the well and had never been returned. Mm-hmm. But that the bite swab itself was listed as lost in evidence before the sign out had even happened. Okay. So we have two bits, two different losses to mm-hmm. the DNA or to the evidence in this case. Yeah. The bite mark swab itself mm-hmm. was marked as missing and that they and lost that they couldn't find it long before this person had ever came in 1993 Mm -hmm. and signed out all the rest of the evidence. Mm. So, because she realized that there still could be a chance that the bite swab itself could be out there, she decided to try and do some digging Mm -hmm. as to how it could have been lost in evidence before it was signed out. Mm -hmm. So, Detective Francis called the lab and see if they could try to track down where it could have been and, like, go through all their stuff. Mm -hmm. And luckily the lab went searching and actually found that the swab was in an envelope that had been sitting in the freezer the whole time oh and it was in the freezer in too the freezer. which is awesome yeah so it had been preserved this entire time wow, that's just awesome. sitting in the freezer but it was separate from the other evidence which is sketchy which because is really strange because it also is, is, is strange to me because if you're yep. the person trying to get rid of it why would you put it in the freezer yes like why would you so preserve I don't think, that that's the thing is i don't think this part was the doing of someone trying to cover this up. I mm-hmm. think this part of the evidence going missing and being thrown in the freezer was probably just some, like, newer technician. Yeah, just gross incompetence. Had, yeah, just incompetence and, like, separated some of the samples by mistake mm-hmm. and just left it in this freezer, and then it was just sitting there for almost 20 years. Yeah, which is Because crazy. they didn't clean out... Because you don't. You don't yeah. clean out DNA and throw it away. Yeah, but and also, like, my first thought was, like, yeah. cleaning out fridges. Obviously, it's handled a little differently in, like, yes. you know, like, mm-hmm. cop labs. But also, like, think of how many times you clean out your freezer, realistically. Yeah. And that's just normal people. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So imagine, like, I mean, I'm sure it's a little worse in cop areas. But even yes. then, like you said, they're not going to take... No. Because 
if you take a piece of evidence and just throw it out, you're stupid as fuck. Unless yes. the case was literally already done, sealed. But even then, yeah, like if then it's, if it's a cold like case it. and you know it's in cold cases, that yeah. sh- shit should be labeled. Oh, yeah. But even then, even before cold case, when it was probably put in there for over 20 years, yes. like you're not, like you wouldn't just take it no. and throw it away. You try to preserve it. And like even like when you look at like the West Memphis 3 mm. case, unless you're literally trying to cover everything up and you actively outright destroy stuff, even if it's a case that's already been convicted, you keep all of that. Just in case just there's in an case. appeal or there's ever exactly. like a new new so, discovery whatever luckily this sample was preserved oh, in the freezer awesome. and had been there this whole time good so they tested the sample and ran it through codis they didn't find a match in the system but they did find that the saliva left behind on sherry's arm uh that that bite was from an unknown woman <gasps> yes Ooh, and the plot only gets thicker from here bitch yep. i guarantee you but unfortunately francis never knew of lazarus being a suspect because none of the information that nels gave to the original like detectives was ever left in the original case file of course so, not because also if, if it's both as was yep. it was was the lapd the one yep. investigating it was the Van Nuys Police Department. Okay, but even yes. but even then, think about it. Like they yeah. know, like the Van Nuys uh, Police Department's gonna yep. know that the LAPD will be like, it's okay. Oh, here's just some slide money. that under the rug, as exactly. well as like the de- the main detective on this case from the start was like, it was this two Lat- these two Latin men walking mm-hmm. around. No, it wasn't. There's yeah. no evidence that even begins to remotely suggest that that was the case. Yeah. But so oddly enough. Not only was Nelson's suspicion gone from the file, but any mention of Stephanie's name and any parts of the audio recording or notes that they had of John's interviews that mentioned Lazarus were all gone. Oh, no, no, no. So Frances, however, did bring this information to her supervisor, but she even states in later on that she was asked to leave it alone. That when she brought this information to her supervisor and was like, the bite mark DNA is from a woman. They literally told her to drop the case. Oh, that's some that okay. That that that's that feels weird. like a movie. Yep. That feels like a cop show. Yes. Like no. Which Francis did later testify in different um, court cases that she did feel like there was active cover-ups going on mm-hmm. and that she was bullied out of the department many times and oh, there wow. were many cases that she worked on that she was directly told by LAPD to drop shit. It's LAPD. Yep. Well, gotta love the love corruption. Love the LAPD. Gotta love the. So unfortunately, because this information was never relayed in the case file, this case went cold again. Yeah. The case was then again reopened in 2009 with a new detective going through the case uh, and read the report about the saliva being from an unidentified woman. So then he began to dig through the original case file for any mentions of a woman in the file. But he found only one sentence that said, and I quote, John confirmed ex-girlfriend Stephanie Lazarus, P.O. P.O.? P.O. Okay. So he was like, what the hell could that mean? So he continued to, so as the new detectives didn't know what this meant until they ran the name and found out that Stephanie Lazarus was an, was an officer for the LAPD. Okay. And then put it together, P.O. Police, police officer. officer. Oh. Yep. So by that time, Lazarus had many different important positions within the LAPD. She had started her career off as a patrol cop, but during her time in the department, she had steadily been promoted to working homicide, the DARE program, the internal affairs, and at that time, she was working at LAPD's elite art theft division. Oh, Jesus. So when doing digging on Lazarus, they found that she had married a fellow, she was married to a fellow officer, had no disciplinary record, and was known as always being by the book. 
So, however, the cold case detectives couldn't get this idea out of their head and ended up asking John to confirm this past relationship to Stephanie Lazarus. So, John had said that they had wondered why, or John basically had asked and had wondered why, again, after all these years, cold case would be asking him about Mm -hmm. Stephanie again, especially given that 10 years prior, he had called Mm -hmm. them and they said she was cleared. Mm -hmm. So he went on a scuba trip with her. They asked John if she had ever been questioned about being involved in the murder, and John said that to his knowledge, the Van Nuys Police Department had cleared Stephanie. Mm -hmm. So he did, however, let them know that Sherry's father, Nels, had been adamant for years that he thought Stephanie was responsible. Mm -hmm. So he was basically like, you guys were the ones who literally, like this other police department literally told me she didn't do it. Mm -hmm. I I don't think she had anything to do with it. I thought she was cleared, but her dad has been like bug up his ass for over 20 years I mean, yeah. thinking that this lady did it so talk to him not me okay so the detectives then reached out to nels for his reasoning as to why he suspected lazarus so nels was overall angry that once again after all these years he was once again having to tell the police all of this information and they still had never had taken his concern seriously mm-hmm. so he was super pissed that he was like it's been 26 years mm-hmm. and you guys still or 25 years you guys have not in any way, shape, or form taken mm-hmm. the information I gave you seriously yeah. the first time, and they having to explain, well, we're cold case, we're a totally different yeah. department, we're yeah. totally different detectives, we believe you, that's why we're asking. So after hearing Nelson's story, they began to wonder if he was right. So they began to theorize if a cop were to kill someone, how would they do it? Okay. So their theory of what had happened was maybe the murderer had opened the door stealthily when the alarm was off, The intruder surprised Sherry upstairs and fired the gun, shattering the glass patio Mm. doors. They believed that whoever was there was there with the intention to kill her. Okay. So Sherry would have tried to run to the alarm and push the panic button, but the killer pursued. They fought. Sherry got the gun away and had wrestled them into a headlock. The killer bit her and smashed a vase over Sherry's head. The vase to her head knocked her to the ground, and that's when they shot the first bullet Mm. through her chest. The killer would have then grabbed the blanket to muffle the sound and shot the gun again, point blank, Mm -hmm. twice. So when looking over the evidence, they found that the blood smear that was left on the CD player was Sherry's blood. However, the way it had been left, they found that it had been left by someone wearing a glove. Okay. So that's a lot of premeditation. Yes. And that's a lot of preparation to make sure your fingerprints aren't there. Mm -hmm. So this proved that the CD player had been stacked after she had already died. So that would rule out. Yep. That would rule out the theory of her walking in on someone robbing her and instead staging a crime. Mm -hmm. Well, staging a robbery. So after developing this new theory of how the how the murder occurred, they set out to answer the question of how would a police officer commit a murder. So they thought that if this was an officer, obviously they were not going to commit a murder when they were on duty. Mm -hmm. So they clearly wouldn't do it on a day when they were expected to be on duty or to be working. Mm -hmm. So they did go back and confirm that Lazarus had not been working that day. Okay. They then again uh, thought that if an officer were to commit a murder, they absolutely would not be able to do it with their service weapon. Yeah, because it'd be tr- it, would, it would be not, yeah. Yeah, it would be inspected, like all these different things. It would just not be possible. And then the bullets from, the bullet wounds from the body would have been ran through the system and it mm-hmm. automatically would have matched to your service weapon, yeah. any of these things. So it, abs- it absolutely would not, <laughs> it would not have been the service yeah. weapon. Yeah. 
So they knew that most officers tended to have their own private firearms for when they were off duty. So they went through uh, gun records and gun registration records and found that Stephanie herself did own a 38 caliber pistol or pistol that she had bought shortly after her graduation from the police academy. Okay. So the detectives then thought that if an officer were to commit a murder with their private firearm, they wouldn't risk keeping the weapon and being found mm-hmm. with the murder weapon later. And surely enough, Lazarus reported the 38 stolen in March of 1986. So to the Santa Monica Police Department just a few short, short weeks after the murder had occurred. Oh, uh, uh, uh. So with the evidence mounting against her, the cold case detectives turned the case over to the Internal Affairs uh, mm. Bureau to have Lazarus genuinely be able to investigate. Yeah. So in May of 2009, IAB set out to truly investigate her. So for weeks, they staked out Lazarus, looking to find any evidence that could tie her to the murder. So during one stakeout, they followed Stephanie to a Costco and watched her discard an empty cup. They retrieved the cup from the trash, tested the saliva they found on it, and the saliva that was on the bite mark that was left on Sherry, the DNA was a match. Oh, I and that, listen, as much yes. as, listen, I love utilizing a public trash can the much, yes. the much as the next girl, but listen, if you murdered somebody, you are to yes. never ever nope. throw out your stuff in public nope. again you burn yep. that shit oh not well, this is not i'm so do- happy murderers are dumb people and yes. stephanie herself was a dumb ass bitch true just an true. absolute trash muffin mm-hmm. who literally thought she was going to get away with this what forever a fucking prick. but on june 5th 2009 iab detectives dan jarmillo and greg stearns approached stephanie at the office asking the senior officer if she would accompany them to the basement of the building to assist in the interrogation of a suspect that they had downstairs wanting to utilize her expertise so when they arrived in the interrogation rooms in the basement she was asked to check her service weapon at the door as there were no firearms allowed in the rooms Mm -hmm. the detectives escorted her into an empty interrogation room and asked her to have a seat at the table while they waited for their suspect to join them, the detectives began to ask Stephanie if she had remembered anything about the Sherry Rasmussen case. At first, she said that she remembered hearing about how her old friend, John Rotten, uh, had lost his wife years ago to a murder, but unfortunately couldn't even recall the woman's name or even if they had ever met. So she asked the detectives why they were asking her about ancient history and where, and where was the suspect she was supposed to be interrogating. So the detectives let her know that they, uh, they did not need her assistance with an interrogation, but really had asked her to come down with them because they were assigned to the old case and recently been uh, made aware of the connection between her and John and was looking for more information about the case, but did not want to ask her such personal questions in front of her peers. Okay. So they're playing it cool. Yes, they're playing it super cool. Like, hey, we're buddies. You're a fellow officer. Mm-hmm. You used to date this guy. Did he do it? Mm-hmm. Like, do you yeah. know anything about yeah. it? Did you know them? Yeah. Were you friends with her? Did like, you do it? <laughs> yeah, like, just casual. Like, yeah. did you do it? Yeah. They weren't going full in there, like, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, let's annoy him and yeah. scream sing with the guitar at her. No, they were going in there just being like, Hey, we're buddies. We're friends. We're cool. Love that. Could you just help us with this cold case real quick? Do you know I any information? It. Do you remember any history of these people? So as the interview continued, Stephanie continued to be jovial and attempt to help the officers. So she would most times say she had no memory of Sherry uh, at all, and but then would begin to change her part of her story and say that she did not want to tell them stuff like that she had never talked to Sherry before because as maybe they could find someone who said they saw the two of them speaking at like a house party once or something of that nature. So she kept doing that like, 
oh, I don't know her. I don't think we ever talked. But, like, I don't want to say we never talked because then mm-hmm. you guys are going to find someone who said we did talk. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think we ever talked or, like, yeah. I don't really have any memories of talking to her. That weird, weird yeah. vague, like. Yeah. I'm not lying. You can't catch me in a lie, but I'm going to say I don't remember. Because everything I'm saying is so broad that it could possibly be untrue. Exactly. So even if you tell me that I'm wrong, it's not like I'm saying anything in a definite way. Mm. So she said that she believes her and Sherry had spoken a few times. So she changed again and was like, oh, I think maybe we had spoken a few times. And that she told Sherry that John was talking to her while she was with Sherry. Mm Mm-hmm. So she said that probably she told Sherry something along the, along the lines of, hey, you know what, he's dating you, but he keeps calling me. Why don't you tell him to knock it off or something like mm-hmm. that? So this woman is playing both ends. She's sitting, well, she's playing three different stories all at the same time. First, she's being like the cool, casual cop. Mm-hmm. We're just cop buddies talking about yeah. the job. You know how hard the job is. Ha, ha, ha. We're mm-hmm. all just joking it up like mm-hmm. buds. The other side that she's playing is, I don't remember anything about this woman. I don't think I ever talked to her. I don't remember ever even talking to her. I don't even remember her name. Yeah. And then the third story she's going with is, oh, well, I think maybe there had been, like, I think maybe at the time that they were dating, he was also talking to me, and I might have confronted her and told her, like, hey, mm-hmm. he's talking to me on the side, too. Like, so is this all in the very, same time? Yes. This is all in the same interview. She's going mm. flip-flopping between these three different it reminds, Whenever stories. people do that, it reminds me of, like, a cop being like, well, did you do it? Did you yeah. talk to this person? Well, no, I've, no. Ne- I've never talked to her. I don't even know her name. Well, well then, we and, talked, like, and, one time. And then, and then, they, then they, the cop doesn't say anything, just keeps on looking at her. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe I did it one time. And then it's like, looks okay. at her. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, I talked to her one time because I was talking to John. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, well, we were probably in this, like, weird love triangle, and I think John was cheating with me. And I was like... I didn't say anything. He was literally just looking at her being like, yeah. um. Cool. But like, I'm still just staring silently. Be like, all right, okay. We like had this fight once. And they're like, I still didn't say anything. Yeah. And then like, yeah, exactly. That's it's what reminds me of. Yeah. That's literally the, de- like, how mm-hmm. this is like fucking derailing. So as they continued talking, Stephanie would flip flop back and forth between the only talking about the job, her stories of saying that she didn't remember anything involving things, and and what she called stuff from a million years ago. And this was what, like 20 years later? Yes. Okay. A million years ago? This woman was murdered. I feel like that would probably stick in your brain. Yeah. And saying that she thought bits and pieces must have happened. So... They asked her if she had ever been spoken to by the original detectives investigating the case, and at first she said that she hadn't, but after discussing that they had found in the case file that she, well, that, yes, they had, she backtracked and said that they had jogged her memory, and she remembered that they had called her and confirmed that her and John had gone on a few dates several years in the past before Sherry had been murdered and was adamant that it was nothing, it had never been anything serious. Mm-hmm. So the detectives continued pushing, and as they could not understand how at the same time Stephanie would claim that she had forgotten moments that would be such memorable moments given the situation including her saying that perhaps she did recall uh, did not recall coming to Sherry's workplace but then would flip and say that oh perhaps she had gone there to confront Sherry about Mm -hmm. the possible love triangle but doesn't remember any of the details of such an intense kind of confrontation so she literally was like I don't remember anything I don't remember ever going to the hospital and talking to her and mm-hmm. they're like well other people remember you going there and then her just being like oh yeah I think I did go there and I might have told her about like that there was this love triangle going on and that she needed to tell John to stop talking to me and it's like 
okay, well, is that what happened? They're like, I don't really remember. That was like so, it was a million years ago. That was so long ago. They're like, it's been 20 years. You're telling me that in 20 years you don't remember something that is such an intense confrontation? Telling someone else, hey, your soon-to-be husband is talking to me Mm -hmm. in like a a romantic way. romantic way. That's kind of a big deal and kind mm-hmm. of a big confrontation yeah. to go to. Also, like, we've talked about this at length uh, because of a different situation. But going and being the other woman and telling yep. the woman that you are the other woman is a very intense moment. Yes. And takes a lot of balls to do. Yes, it does. It either takes, like, you are a very strong, confident person or you're kind of... A sh- you're a shit person. Yeah, you're kind of scary and you might be bad shit. Yeah. Because that is... You have no idea how that person's going to react. Mm-hmm. You're coming to Sherry's place of work and saying this to her. You have no idea if this woman is going to try to punch you in the face, yep. going to blame you for the situation. But what really did happen was, obviously, Stephanie was the one who came in and was mm-hmm. confrontational and weird. You burst past this woman's secretary to come into her office mm-hmm. to tell her, hey, your husband's talking to me, or, like, things like that. Yeah, which that's, is, well, that is psychopathic behavior, because even, that's like, terrifying. if I, I again, mm-hmm. I can't say how I would react if I was yes. ever seen as the other woman, but yeah. I feel like I wouldn't do it in public, because you no. make yourself look like an asshole. Oh, yeah, and you make yourself look crazy. That exactly. you're going into someone else's workplace and dropping a bomb like that, it's, mm-hmm. to me, it almost reminds me of, like, how Elena talks about, like, if someone's willing to break into your home, that they're the, the scariest yeah. person on earth. Yeah. Because you have no idea what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. On either side of that, I'm terrified. I oh, would yeah. be terrified to tell someone I'm the other woman because you have no idea how they're going to react mm-hmm. to you. And I'm absolutely terrified of someone coming to me and saying that to me because I have no idea what yep, kind of person exactly. I'm getting either. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is a very intense confrontation, but Stephanie's claiming, I don't remember anything about it, or I don't remember what I said. I did that, but I don't remember it. Yeah, okay. Weird. Okay. So, eventually, they did finally say that they had found the DNA evidence tying her to the crime, but Lazarus, even at, until the very end of this interview, refused to fully admit that she had been the one uh, to do this, even telling them that as they were arresting her, that they were ridiculous and that they had to be kidding. This um, is how much of a narcissist this woman is. Wow. Literally as they're throwing cuffs on you and be like, yeah, we got the DNA. You clearly did it. We're arresting you for murder. Be like, you're joking, right? Be like, no, that's not, you can't that be That is like serious. so, like, so fucking wild. So full of herself. Like. So full of it. So when Lazarus finally went to trial for the murder in 2012, uh, John took the stand to testify about his involvement with Stephanie. So he had confirmed that they had gone on a few dates together and had slept together a few times before he had met Sherry, Mm -hmm. but did not feel like their relationship was ever something serious. Mm -hmm. So he did confirm that when Lazarus began showing up at the home and bothering Sherry, he he thought that perhaps Stephanie had grown feelings for him and that over time she would let it go. Mm -hmm. So he said that during his engagement to Sherry, he had met up with Stephanie one night to talk to her about her bothering Sherry. Mm -hmm. He said that during this meeting with Stephanie, Stephanie had confessed her love for him, and she confided in him that he she was upset about their engagement mm-hmm. and basically asked him to break off the engagement. Okay. John said that during this encounter, he had slept with her in an attempt to provide her with closure. He said on the stand that he had regretted doing this and realized that this was not the right thing to do and had not done anything other but perpetuated her obsession with him. So literally this man... So, side note, but this made me so annoyed. You think that this crazy woman who keeps showing up at your house, threatening your fiancé, and being a crazy person to you and your family, or soon-to-be family, 
she tells you she's in love with you and that she wants you to break off your engagement, you're like, oh, no, 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 honey, I'm not going to do that. But you fuck her anyways when you're that already in It's going to make it fucking worse. Like, not yes. only are you cheating, but also you said this person, no, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't be with you. But then you're giving her what she fucking yes. wants. You're sleeping with them still. Hello? So, like, also, how is that going to give her closure? You're literally saying, she's saying, I'm in love with you. You're saying, I'm not in love with you back and I'm not going to leave my fiance for you. But then you sleep with them. What kind of mixed fucking message does Hello? that send, sir? But okay, I digress, but that Jesus may be Christ. very angry. So also at trial, they entered into evidence the diary that Stephanie had kept during this time and read excerpt, excerpts of it to the jury. Mm-hmm. So she didn't write about the murder itself, but wrote about being unhappy about him marrying someone else. Mm-hmm. They even found that at the time of Sherry and John's engagement announcement, she had become so distraught that she had taken time off from work. Okay. So they also discussed at trial that Stephanie had wrote a letter to John's mother in 1985, shortly after their engagement, saying, the letter read, wrote, or was read, I'm truly in love with John, and this past year has really torn me up. I wish it didn't end the way it did, and I don't think I'll ever fully understand his decision. Mm-hmm. This woman wrote this to his mom. Hello? After he announced that he was being, he was getting engaged and that he was engaged to someone else, she wrote this weird letter to his oh, own mother. Oh, that's fucking weird. Yep. So at trial, it was also produced into evidence that Sherry had said that during the time that she had barged into Stephanie's office mm-hmm. at the hospital, she directly told Sherry, if I can't have him, no one can. Oh, no bitch, no bitch, no bitch. Before storming out. No bitch, mm-mm. Yep. That's some scary shit. That's terrifying. Scary. Which makes perfect sense to me as to why Sherry did not tell John, mm-hmm. but told her dad. Yeah. The jury did not take long to make their decision in March of uh, 2012, so Stephanie Lazarus was convicted of the murder of Sherry Rasmussen 26 years after Lazarus was was finally brought to justice. So the jury sentenced Stephanie to 27 years in jail for the murder. Okay. Lazarus's attorney, however, made several attempts to appeal the conviction on the grounds that the evidence was circumstantial, she was not afforded due process, and that the DNA evidence should not be admiss- or should be inadmissible given that it was not put through the normal chain of command. So, however, the California justices did not agree and her convic- conviction has since stood, but Lazarus does become eligible for parole in December of 2034. Ew. Yeah. So, Sherry's family has since attempted to sue Lazarus and the LAPD themselves due to their belief that the LAPD actively attempted to cover up Lazarus's crime. I believe that. So, however, unfortunately, the police department claimed that it was not their fault that Lazarus went free all these years, as they did not know about John's connection to Stephanie. So, they were also reinvestigated for this uh, during the lawsuit, and the investigating body did not find any evidence of an internal cover-up. So, the California court also claimed that the family could not sue regarding the DNA evidence or the lack of movement, as the statute of limitations for them to file the civil suit ran out in the mid-90s. However, this is seen as entirely impossible as back then there was no grounds for a suit. Mm. So how is it that they can't file a a civil suit because the statute of limitations has run out for their neglect? However, there was no reason for them to know they were neglectful during the 90s. Okay. So it's not really a fair standard to keep. Mm. So the family's case was dismissed and the LAPD has received no consequences in corruption tied to this case. So it is very difficult for the family, as justice in this case was so drag all these years, especially mm-hmm. given uh, that they were right about who had committed the murder all along. Mm-hmm. 
But finally, Lazarus is exactly where she should be, and let's all do what we can to keep her there. So when she goes yes. up for parole in December of 2034, let's all fucking petition to the parole board. No, keep her ass in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so fucked up. Yeah. I actually, so mm-hmm. before we started this episode, you were like, oh, I think we're gonna, you're going to write, you might know a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I've never heard of this case before. So I've heard of this case before. Um, for, because not only did my favorite murder talk about this, mm. I think maybe Morbid covered it, but one of my favorite podcasts, um, that's messed up, the Law mm. & Order SVU podcast. So there's an episode of Law & Order SVU that is inspired by this case. Really? Which episode? Um, do you remember the one where, um, basically... Olivia and Stabler ask for the help of this old, like, 1970s retired police de- detective lady mm-hmm. to investigate a the bedtime butcher, and that one of the... That basically they catch all these years later who the bedtime butcher during a 1970s rapist and serial killer, they finally catch, but one of his crimes cannot possibly have been him because he had an alibi during the time. Mm-hmm. So, and the victim that couldn't be connected to him was the wife of this famous ni- uh, 1970s like um, mattress salesman oh. who was like super big into like sleeping with all these famous models mm-hmm. in New York City and they're they basically decide to like they find like blonde hair mm-hmm. on the, a woman's blonde hair left on the body so mm-hmm. they start to investigate if it's a woman that mm-hmm. had committed the murder yeah. And there's, like, four separate suspects that it could have been three of these different women that he was sleeping with at the time. And they kind of figure out that it's none of these models that he was sleeping with at the time. And it was actually the female retired detective that they had asked I don't, I don't, I don't think them. I've ever seen that episode. Oh, it's a really good one. It's, like, it stars a bunch of, like, Charlie's Angels. Oh, okay. And, like, oh, yeah, like, some, like, old-timey, like, gorgeous, famous celebrities. Mm-hmm. It's super good. Also, the episode that's covered on that must up is super awesome because they interview the ex-Charlie's Angel oh, who, nice. was, who played the cop lady. Mm-hmm. Such a good episode. It's genuinely one of my favorite episodes oh, that nice. has ever existed. And it, like, it's one of the ones where whenever I sit down and try to think, like, what is one mm-hmm. of the best episodes or, like, one of the your favorite episodes mm-hmm. of Law and Rescue, that one always, like, Interesting. sticks okay. out in my brain as one of the ones that I'm like, this one, I love this one. All right. So I absolutely, like, still remember just being so fucking angry about this mm-hmm. case in general. Yeah. This woman got away with it for 26 years That's because crazy. she used her badge to shield herself, even though... The LAPD and the investigating body says the LAPD is not responsible, mm-hmm. but literally this woman got away with it all these years because of police corruption, and also that this is so fucking wild that a young patrol cop literally staged a murder mm-hmm. and got away with it for 20 years. That's and fucking no, crazy. Literally went through all the ranks, that this man went on a scuba trip with her 10 years after the murder, thinking like, oh, she didn't kill... I can't imagine being this man that not only was your wife murdered by your, she wasn't even actually your ex, by this woman you were sleeping with, that although you caused some of the obsession in some ways, but literally an ex, basically, or a woman you didn't genuinely date, killed your wife, and then the cops were like, oh yeah, she didn't do it, and you went on vacation with her. Yeah, that's a little, yeah, no. That's terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. No, yeah, no. This case was absolutely wild. That so. was a really that was a really good one because, like I said, that's because sometimes you know I I enjoy listening to the true crime about serial killers mm-hmm. and kidnappings and stuff like that. But sometimes like this might sound really shitty of me and yeah. very like true crime adult of me, but it's like sometimes it's nice to listen to like the mm-hmm. just murder ones. Yes, where it's one and done. Because sometimes, especially yes. like 
learning from like doing a podcast Mm -hmm. doing ones that involve more than one murder or more than one assault or a length a period of time are so hard to research yes because i want to eventually do um about amanda knox and the issue with that is that there was literally like almost like what five six seven eight years yes of of trials to talk mm-hmm. about, you know what I mean? So and it's, it's like a, an explosion of information. It was mm-hmm. so much information to try to sift through. This luckily wasn't like a ton of information to have to sift through mm-hmm. to be able to come together with this. But I just, I couldn't get over this weird twist of like, it was, finally it wasn't the husband that did it. It was mm-hmm. literally a crazy ass ex. Which is, cr- oh my God. Who thought so much that she was going to get away with this. Still to this day probably thinks that like, she's just going to get out or like, this woman genuinely thought she was going to get away with murder for the rest of her life. But also, like, I could not imagine being that batshit crazy that you commit a whole murder that you literally think the, if I can't have them, no one can. Yeah, that's just fucking crazy. kill someone over it. Because that sounds like a TV show. I can imagine yeah. her, like, busting and arguing, and then all of a sudden, like, she goes, well, you know what, bitch? If I can't have them, nobody no can. Does. And, like, turns around and, like, stomps out. Like, that's yes. what I was imagining. Oh, yeah. Like, that's exactly that's what so happened. That's so dramatic. So dramatic. So crazy. So weird that you would... And what still kills me about this case and that nobody took seriously and that people don't take seriously enough is stalking. Mm-hmm. This woman stalked them. Mm-hmm. She was a police officer who used her badge to not only intimidate someone at their home, mm-hmm. but found out where she worked, followed her to her house to threaten her and say, nah, that's my man. You're supposed to be getting married to him. You live with him. No, he's mine. That's fucking crazy. And then kills her over it. That's fucking crazy. Wild. Absolutely Whoa. wild. But that was the case of was really the good. very tragic murder of Sherry Rasmussen and the absolute shit stain that is Stephanie Lazarus. Love that. Fuck that bitch. Literally, Fire. fuck that bitch. Yes, she's just the absolute fucking worst. I hope that there is a day that yes. everyone can just go throw tomatoes at her. Something. I don't know. Rocks. Rocks. Like, she mm-hmm. can go kick rocks and sandals. Like, yeah. she's just the worst. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. She sounds like the absolute fucking worst. Yeah, she is literally a taint. <laughs> taint. Yeah, she's a gooch. Yeah, she she's, is. She's a she's a gooch. She's, she's a, a gooch. gooch. She's just. She's she, a she's a unwashed gooch. Yeah, that is the perfect description of this she's woman. An and like, if you gooch. look at like pictures of her, like even in the court documents, she's just like she's got crazy eyes. I don't know how to explain Ooh, it other than you just, listen. Like, crazy crazy eyes, eyes are fucking so mm-mm. scary. But literally, they just look like. I don't know how anybody thought that she was a normal detective and, like, let her work for years. Because you just look at her and you're like, oh, yeah, she definitely killed somebody. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. She, she murdered in cold blood. I'm trying to find a picture of her. Let me see. Hold on. Oh, I love it. Like, her in her orange jumpsuit looking all wild-eyed and shit. I don't know if I even have it. She gives, like, mad Jody Arias vibes. Oh, okay. There we go. That's the person I'm trying to find. Let me see here. Oh, no, no, no. Right? She does have crazy eyes. Yes. Just like soulless, yo, right? Oh my god, those are fucking crazy. Oh my god, Sherry was so gorgeous, she was such a gorgeous human, and it makes me so angry that Stephanie took an absolute gorgeous human being Mm -hmm. that Sherry was. She was a brilliant person to go to college at 16, that's insane, to be director of nursing in your Mm -hmm. mid 20s. Like, this was a woman who literally could have changed the entire world Mm -hmm. and could have like saved the whole planet. And Stephanie Lazarus took her out all because she just wanted some dude's dick. Which, like, like what is I don't wrong understand. with you? I also understand, like, yeah. I can't say I haven't done this in the past, but, like, arguing, fighting with someone, like, willing to kill someone over someone, uh, over a guy who, yeah. like, 
who isn't even like lo- who wouldn't even be loyal to you. No, like you're, wasn't you're even loyal to his own wife. Exactly. Like you want to be yeah. what she has, what she is. Yes. But you're the one breaking that up, hoping yes. that you'll eventually have that with him. Yeah. But eventually he'll trade you in for a newer fucking model. That's what exactly. new cheaters do. Yeah. And I know that sounds very like shitty of me and kind of misogynistic. Yeah. But it's fucking true. Yeah. Like there's the old saying: if they cheat on you, they'll cheat with you. Yep. Like, exactly. Or if they cheat with you, they'll cheat on you. Yep. Like, exactly. Yeah. And I don't. I don't even begin to understand what that fucking mm-hmm. shit stain was thinking other Jesus. than she's just a horrific person who is an absolute narcissist mm-hmm. and thinks she is entitled to other human beings to the point where another human's life doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. I just don't even get it. That's fucking crazy. But well, thank you all for listening to this wild, absolutely yes. wild case and for sticking with us and listening to us every week. Yes. We really appreciate it and if yes. you guys could like like and subscribe mm-hmm. us on any of the platforms that you listen to us as well mm-hmm. as like rate and review because it mm-hmm. makes it so that we get more and more seen Yep. and so we'd greatly appreciate that but if you guys would like to follow us on our Instagram you can do so at Figures in the Dark and if you would like to follow us on Facebook, send us messages on mm-hmm. there or like post on the page, you mm-hmm. can follow us at Figures in the Dark. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, send us a tweet, anything mm-hmm. like that, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, to Figures in the Dark, but dark spelled DRK because character limits. Yep. And if you'd like to send us an email mm-hmm. with case suggestions, um, creative criticisms or mm-hmm. kind criticisms uh, for any input that you have that you would like us to do any kind of like your guys's ghostly tales mm-hmm. or creepy spooky tales we absolutely want to have a listeners episode at mm-hmm. some point so we're totally looking to compile those so if you'd like to talk to us on there you can send us an email at figures in the dark podcast at gmail.com and thank you for listening and as always beware the figures in the dark all right bye, bye.